0: The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 494 for November 29th, 2015. T-Mobile announces three months of unlimited data for all. Huawei announces the Mate 8. And RDO begins canceling customer subscriptions. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey coppas Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, kicking off the news for this Thanksgiving week, the FCC has been criticized recently for failing to collect fines over the last two years. More than $100 million in fines were levied against a dozen companies accused of defrauding the FCC's Lifeline low-income phone subsidy program, As well, $35 million against Chinese companies were levied for an alleged suit for illegal wireless jamming equipment from back in June of 2014. And while the FCC says that it has consumer protection wins even without the collection of the penalties, the issue is gathering more attention this year as FCC officials have unveiled new high-profile actions like a $100 million proposed fine against AT&T in June for slowing down the wireless connections of some unlimited data plan holders. The FCC enforcement process, though, has never really been quick. After the FCC proposes a fine, the companies have about 30 days to either pay or challenge it. And then that fine isn't officially due until the FCC completes its investigation. That process can take years. And even after that review is complete, the FCC has to rely on the Justice Department to collect the
1: money if the company doesn't agree to pay. So this kind of thing is it's kind of strange, but you know, just like with uh, with anything, you want to have a penalty that ac- that's actually real. And if you decide uh, to not collect or enforce your your penalties, you know, nobody's going to really take you seriously. And of course, the FCC has, uh, you know, in in my opinion, so much power. In everything that now involves our lives, especially, you know, with digital communications and communications and satellites, and if you are allowing companies to run amok by not you know, uh, collecting penalties for something, you know, like wireless jamming equipment, uh, we could have a serious situation on our hands. And I think they better step this up now, not only for, uh, you know, government money and, and things that the FCC can put back into, you know, auction expenses, whatever it may be, or to even just do a better job of enforcing, uh, you know, regulations as far as, you know, let's say Wi-Fi equipment to make sure that there's not uh, equipment that's, you know, radiating, you know, EM that's not going to be compatible. With with the existing frequencies, you know, you need that stuff in order for, uh, you know, for all this to work because the spectrum is kind of a managed and uh, managed environment, and it's exceptionally critical for our mobile phones.
0: Well, and, and the FCC, as we have discussed in the past, is you know really kind of gone through a number of changes over the last few years, and I think as we as we move forward and and they start to. You know, look at different types of, of things that they're going to be taking action against or decision making that they're going to be doing. Uh, I, I think it really is going to be incumbent on them to be making the decisions that are going to be in the best interest of the consumer. And uh, in, while I'm not saying that they haven't done that in the past, that also includes the enforcement of uh, these uh, the, these actions that they're taking. And so, uh, you know, generally the the overall feeling that I think most people have is that you rely on the government to kind of be the you know the strong arm of the law, so to speak, and the enforcers. Of that law, and so um, you know, this is really the, the, the just a good example of something that as a consumer, you can start to lose faith in uh, in big government if they're not doing the right things here. So kind of an interesting story here. And ultimately, I think it's, uh, you know, it's just a, a kind of shedding light on an issue that, you know, maybe we haven't talked about in the past, but certainly isn't something that is new. Well, Verizon this week made it possible for subscribers to send the gift of data to other customers. Users can send one gig of LTE data for $10. Gifted data will be billed directly to the sender's account and the data can be purchased through the Verizon Messages application or on Verizon's website. Verizon said an update to the Verizon Messages app for Android is being pushed out uh, that adds that data gifting feature. It's kind of a cool idea, but at the same time, you know, I mean, it's... it's. I think a better or more interesting way of doing it would be to say, you know, if you've got data on your shared plan, and you want to send some of that data to somebody else? Why don't you just you know just let them do it and uh, just slide the data from one account to another rather than trying saying, "Well, we'll, we'll charge you another ten dollars
1: on top of what it is that you are probably uh, already just kind of not using," right? Yeah, their billing system probably wouldn't be able to support that, but still, you know, well, plus then it's an extra ten more dollars for them. Yeah, well, that's exactly right, and I don't know. I, I feel
0: like it would be kind of a an interesting fun thing to do if I could you know I could send you a gig of data and you'd be like oh that's kind of cool even if you didn't need it it wouldn't matter because if, if I was sending it I probably didn't need it either uh versus this is I could I'll gift you a you know a gig of data uh for ten dollars and you'd be like great you just wasted ten dollars because I'm not using all of my data anyway so so I don't know it's just kind of a it, it's an interesting thing but I it more or less it's I I think it's what does a regular gig usually cost
1: isn't it fifteen dollars uh, something like that, but I really don't know. But that that that's a situation I think of. But of course I can see how you know a parent would want to give something to their to their uh, kid or something if they need more data for that month, but then they're probably in a share plane anyway, so it wouldn't even matter. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing.
0: I'm not really sure what, what this is going to actually accomplish. How many people are gonna use it, but uh, either way, that's now available. T Mobile announcing Monday that every post paid simple choice customer will have access to unlimited high speed data over the next three months. All customers with post paid plans effective November twenty 23- third are eligible. Uh, Also, customers will have unlimited 4G LTE data, and even if they use up all of their data and their data stash starting on December 1st, uh, they will still be able to use this unlimited amount of data. This goes through March 1st of 2016, so it's actually four months, not three. Uh, T-Mobile is also offering a, no, it is three months, I guess, a wide range of deals on smartphones and accessories during the holidays. T-Mobile also has promotions uh, that will change over the next few weeks to encourage customers and prospective customers to check back regularly. Now, interestingly, uh, with this program, obviously it sounds great, uh, at least on, on the surface, You know, unlimited data for the next three months, cool, right? But uh, there is a catch to it. Um, it is uh, only, you only get this unlimited data if you go through the allotment that you already have on your plan, And on your data stash, which uh, has been bumped up to... And I don't know if this is the other thing. I don't know if they're going to bump up the data stash because they were saying they were doubling it from 10 gigs to 20 gigs. So whether or not you've gone through that or not. But anyway, let's say you go through all of this. at, At the end of that, then you still get unlimited 4G LTE data. And binge on must be on. This is a key thing that they didn't really talk about. It was kind of a fine print thing that if you... Have the binge on service turned off. This thing is completely null and void from the moment that you turn binge on off. So uh, make sure you keep that in mind if you're someone who is using uh, a lot of data and you're watching a lot of video and you don't don't think that you're going to be able to get unlimited high quality HD video now. It's still going to be that scaled data or that scaled video if you want to keep the unlimited data. So just keep all of that in mind if you're a T-Mobile customer. And I think you're... Uh, I think your tethering data is limited to uh, whatever the amount is that you you previously had, which I guess would be whatever the data stash amount is. So don't don't think that you're going to be able to just tether to your heart's content either. So there are a few restrictions with this. But uh, either way, nice to see if you're someone who happens to be over the next couple of months traveling or using a lot of mobile data because you've got no other choice. It will not be uh, throttled after a certain point, at least until March 1st. T-Mobile on Wednesday said Sprint customers can get $200 when porting their lines to T-Mobile during the holidays. Uh, T-Mobile will give Sprint, Boost, and Virgin subscribers an extra $200 for every line they switch to a T-Mobile simple choice plan with no trade-in required. T-Mobile is targeting subscribers uh, to Sprint's unlimited plan, and these customers can get access to T-Mobile's unlimited LTE plan for $45 per line for a family of four. Not much device news this holiday week, but Huawei on Thanksgiving announced the Mate 8, a flagship device that runs Android 6.0 Marshmallow. Uh, the Mate 8 features a 6-inch Full HD display in Huawei's new processor, which is the Kirin 950. The 950 is an octa chip, 4 Cortex ARM A72 cores at 2.3GHz and 4 A53 cores at 1.8GHz. The Kirin 950 is Huawei's i5 coprocessor for low-power tasks, so it manages those always-on sensors. They They didn't provide details about the camera, but the phone does offer tools like voice controls, a firewall, defragmenter, really a defragmenter on a phone? Come on. Uh, Mobile payment capabilities as well. The Mate 8 also runs Huawei's EMUI 4.0 skin, and Huawei said the phone will be revealed in full
1: at CES in January and then made available in China during the first quarter of 2016. So obviously, this weekend has been kind of hot for uh, you know electronic shopping, which uh, that's you know typical. It's the the Cyber Monday here coming up, and the the Black Friday, and it really looks like you know uh, you know tablets and iPads are really kind of the the hot gift. It seems like this year, from all the stories that I've seen, uh, it seems like some Apple watches are kind of in demand as well. People want to get you know buy those for uh, for gifts as people. So it'd be kind of interesting here to see how uh, how many people get uh, you know Apple watches. And, and if we get more attention on Apple watches to bring kind of the whole wearable market into a uh, maybe a more mainstream phase as well which uh, should be kind of interesting because you know we've got uh, Android watches about for a while and they just uh, haven't gained you know that much traction and, and Apple watches is, is there but it's still in its first iteration and it's uh, you know still kind of a I wouldn't say geeky thing but it's still kind of uh, kind of rare to, to see another person with them but I've been seeing more and more people that have have the Apple watches and, and of course, a couple of Android watches here and there.
0: I see a lot of Android watches, actually, uh, a lot of pebbles as well. Um, you know, I, I do see Apple watches. They're very noticeable generally, um, just because I don't know, maybe because I have one and I notice it, but, um, you know, it's, I, I was, I was working on, um, uh, buying some granite for my house, and uh, ultimately the guy that I was working with had one on, and so of course we started chatting about him. And you know, of course, my wife just rolls her eyes, and uh, <laughs> you know, as we're discussing the, the watches, and and you know, kind of the the story with most people that I talk about it is the same. And you know, they say, you know, it absolutely you don't need it, uh, but you know, you hard to think about not having it, uh, after you've got it for a while. Um, you know, it doesn't do anything that your phone can't except to give you an additional kind of an additional screen that provides you that additional functionality and that kind of quicker glance, you know, style information, uh, which I find incredibly useful. I mean, I, I was, I saw a report this week where they were going through all of the things that people are using these watches for. And, um, in one of the things that I really struck me was that email is really, really low. It's like, a percent or something like that if people are actually using email on their watch and I find that um, generally I, I don't use it to read a lot of email, but um, it's things like at night uh, where I'm getting you know Google alerts that are coming through or messages that I know are not you know critical type of messages, just kind of more FYI things. And uh, when they come through, I will absolutely open them up and scroll through and get the you know quick glanceable information and then delete it and not even pull out the phone. And I really appreciate being able to do that. Is it something that could wait? Couldn't wait until later? No, of course not. It's Something I'm going to delete, but it's helping to kind of that process of triaging uh, of messages, and so I I do find some value in that. Of course, I love uh, being able to get all the text messaging on there. Um, You know, I like being able to see phone calls and who's calling. Uh, More than anything, though, I use it for the notification of the the phone call itself coming in, uh, rather than even you know seeing who's calling or answering the phone. But um, it's one of those things where it's a very distinctive, uh, and I can't remember what the, the what the vibrating you know, pattern is, but it's something very distinctive. And so I always know when I've got a phone call.
1: Yeah. And that's, what's nice to be able to glance at that quick, to see if you want to dig the phone out of your pocket. Cause sometimes it is, you know, challenging to get it out of your jeans pocket. And it's also some of these, you know, a lot of times I don't really want to talk to who's calling me right at that exact moment. Cause it, you know, 98% of the time I've got my hands full or I, I, I'm running or in the elevator or doing something where it's, it's just not really possible to take a phone call at the time. And I don't want to really have to dig it out.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. A uh, good good you know kind of use case as well. And and yes, I, I guess I do occasionally will will do that. Um, you know where I use it quite a bit is you know I, I take my phone out of my pocket at work and it sits on my desk. And then I, as I go and talk to other people in other offices, I don't grab my phone. I just you know I've got my watch on. And if I if I get a phone call, I can quickly look and see who's calling. And uh, you know a lot of the time I'll just ignore it. But you know there are times where I will absolutely want to take the call. And so then I'll scurry back to my office to find on the phone, or I actually have answered it on the watch as well. And then you can easily transfer it back and forth, uh, you know, transfer it over, I guess I should say, over to the phone itself when you get back to a position where you can take the call. So there are some interesting use cases for it. But to your point, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, we're, we're in a, a lull of, of, you know, kind of devices and other things that are going to be announced. I mean, we're going to have news here and there that we'll get to talk about between now and the end of the year. But, uh, you know, CES, believe it or not, is less than 35 days away. It's crazy how quickly this is coming up. And so we'll be, uh, we'll be into uh, all of the news coming out of Las Vegas here in just about a month. So that, that's another thing to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, and all the stuff that comes up at CES is really what sets the tone for all of 2016 and even, you know, up to the holiday season of what's going to be sold for next Christmas. So, yeah, you're right. We're kind of in this thing where now we're coasting on uh, what's already in place. Yeah, and so it it really does. um, It
0: it does kind of get a little slow this time of year, but that's okay. Uh, There's still some interesting stuff to talk about as well. Um, Let's talk about some software news here. We've got a couple of stories. First up, Google on Tuesday updating its Drive application for iOS with new features, including updates to 3D Touch support. Two options, one to quickly update your photos or upload your photos, that is, and another to quickly search your contents of Drive. Uh, also, the update adds the ability to receive push notifications whenever a new file is shared with you. And searching through Spotlight in iOS will bring up files that you have saved in Drive, allowing you to easily jump to it without first having to open up in uh, the application Finally, 4.4 of Google Drive for iOS also supports split view and slide over multitasking on iPad and iPad Pro. Uh, the app is free, of course. On the Android side, J.P. Morgan Chase account holders now can use their cards with Samsung Pay. Samsung has added support for Visa cards from Chase to its mobile payment service. Chase was one of the first uh, larger bank's one of the larger banks that was missing from the launch when it first came out. Uh, Samsung Pay is the most widely uh, used uh, service uh, out there right now, even more so than Apple Pay because it supports both NFC and MST, uh, which is also what uh, Android Pay uh, is as well, uh, only supports NFC. Uh, So while MST is nearly everywhere, Samsung Pay is taking advantage of that. And of course, the Galaxy S6, S6 Edge, S6 Edge Plus, and Note 5, all very popular devices, all supporting Samsung Pay, so uh, there's uh, there's some definite uh, advantages to what they are doing over there. now with JPMorgan
1: Chase, uh, even better news for Samsung. And all I know is I've been able to use the Apple Pay just this this weekend a whole bunch of times. I just happened to be at stores that had uh, that supported it, and it uh, it's so handy to be able to use that uh, with the watch because you just you know double tap the button and hold it up to it, and you don't have to you know fumble around with the wallet and swipe the card and do all that uh, stuff. It's just, it's a lot quicker. So let me
0: bring up one of those, say, "quote
1: unquote," Apple Pay problems.
0: So I was uh, I was at Lowe's today, and uh, I was at the checkout, and you know, you, as an Apple Pay user, I do look for the terminals, the credit card terminals that have um, the little section on the top, the very specific Apple Pay, uh, you know, thing or the place where you can put, you know, put an NFC uh, type device to pay for for a transaction and. Generally, you know which ones can can handle it and which ones that can't. Uh, I happened to be at Lowe's and there was a the, the the credit card reader didn't look like one that could accept Apple Pay. And then, of course, I got up to it and as I started the process uh, where I was you know going to pay for that pay for it, I noticed that there was on the screen a small Apple Pay logo. And, and at that point, I already had know, my credit card was in my hand. And, you know, so it's like, well, I'm not going to put it away and activate it on the watch. I'm just gonna use the credit card at that point. Um, so it, it's it's it is interesting, because there's no real information that was at the terminal that I was would have been able to use this. And I don't know that there could have or that there should have been. It just happened to be kind of my, my impression of that. But it's one of those things. I, I bet you I'm not the only one that's listening to this that's had that experience where you go to, you know, make a transaction because you don't think there's Apple Pay there. And then you get to the credit card reader and you go, eh, oh, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to change what I'm doing at this
1: point anyway. Well, I was at Micro Center and they, um, you know, they had a, a sticker that, you know, they, they obviously put on the thing that says Apple Pay um on the terminal where there was no markings there you know no nfc markings and the screen never indicated it like what you're talking about i know because the um the little subway terminals have yes. that that where it shows it on the screen not mm-hmm. you know not printed on there so you don't know ahead of time or whatever it may be showing you may not see that so i thought that was interesting because the the terminal that they had at uh micro center is something that i've seen around at other places and have not seen apple you know paid logo or nfc logos support so i wonder if all of that particular style, have it built in. You just don't know it or not. So that's kind of what uh, now I'm curious about that.
0: Well, and it's it's one of those things too, when you're paying, you're trying to do it quickly. I mean, that's also kind of one of the things with Apple Pay is it's trying to speed up the transaction. And so I'm not going to be sitting there like hold my watch on the terminal all over the place just to see if it's going to take it. It's either going to or it's not going to. And if it's not obvious, I'm not going to try and I'm not going to ask the clerk, hey, do you take Apple Pay? I mean, what does it matter? I've got my credit card right there anyway. So they
1: won't know anyway.
0: And that's very true or they would say yeah or, or no it's not working and yeah whatever um so anyway that's uh i, I guess that's we, we still have a long way to go with this still very much in its infancy but uh either way uh if you're a samsung pay user you can now use jp morgan chase accounts uh with the service so that's good news in other software news rdo uh which we announced last week would be cl- uh, was acquired by pandora and would be closing its uh, accounts began notifying customers this week that it began subs- uh canceling subscriptions Paying customers will be able to listen through the end of their current billing period, after which their account gets closed down. RDO said all customers can listen to ad-supported stations uh, on their mobile phone until the service goes completely offline. And of course, RDO no longer accepting new paid customers. And Opera Software on Monday released a new version of Opera Max. This is its data compression tool, making it available and compatible with music applications. Max currently is available uh, to compress video from YouTube and Netflix when streamed over cellular networks, but it can also compress music streamed from YouTube Music, uh, as well as Pandora, Slacker, Uh, and Savin, as well as Ghana. And uh, people who download Opera Max will be able to cut down on their data usage up to 50% when streaming music or other applications over cellular. Opera said it's using uh, streaming audio optimization technology from Rocket Optimizer, which uh, is converting streams to be more efficient using the AAC Plus codec without losing quality. Opera hopes to add more music services over time. Opera Music for Android is free to download from the Google Play Store. One comment comes to us this week, and that is from Matt, and he says, "Uh, Mickey, uh, listening to you guys talk about emergency alerts and remembering that you're from Arizona, I thought you might find it funny how the only ones... Uh, that I ever get are for dust storms. Uh, anyway, over the years I heard you guys uh, give some uh, uh, complicated answers when people are asking about international rates on different carriers and I wanted to mention that the Google Project Fi has the simplest international plan that I've seen. Uh, there are 120 countries supported. The data rate stays the same in the US and internationally, which is only $10 per gigabyte. Texts are always unlimited and voice calls are the only rates that vary. When you enter a country and you get a text message that tells you your rates for that country, and of course, you can always look it up on the Fi website. Although it's still in beta and the service is actually pretty good, there are now three phones that work, the Nexus 6, the 5X, and the Nexus 6P. And although it's still invite-only, they're approving them at a higher rate. And through Monday, they have a special immediate approval going on. Love the show, Matt. Well, you know, thanks, Matt, for uh, bringing that back up. You know, we talk about all these different services, these different, uh, you know, whether it's the providers, uh, you know, the the special things that they've got going on, or these services like Project Fi, and it's always, uh, you know, it's interesting because there's so many of them that are out there, and it's always it's a great to hear about you know these reminders of these ones that uh, we may have overlooked, and certainly Project Fi is is one of the simpler ones out there. You're paying a rate for the voice calls, and everything else is essentially the same as when you're at home, and I think that's uh, that's a, a fantastic model, and I would. Uh, I would absolutely. If I was an Android customer, I think I would be. I would be all over this because it makes a lot of sense to me, and I love the idea of being able to not have to actually think about this at all. But again, uh, this is you know something that is is only available on three
1: different devices, so it's not going to be for everybody. And so that's the other thing to keep in mind with this. And in the hard part with this international thing is is obviously now with uh, well, it seems like. You know, maybe more so spurned by the, the the T-Mobile competition here, but the international rates and international plans have been changing very quickly recently. So it's kind of hard to keep up with them as well because they're they're modifying them in the the countries that are cheap versus not. They're changing very rapidly.
0: Yeah, they are, and you know the um, the, the the majority of what I think um, we should all be learning from all of this is that give this a couple of years for all of this stuff to shake out and pretty much anywhere you go, with the exception of kind of some long distance rates for international calling is all going to be essentially included in your plan, which is a really great thing to think, you know, when you think about where how far we've come and and how expensive things used to be. Um, And at the very least, you'll have some great options, even if not everybody's doing it, you'll have some great options to choose from. And if you're an international traveler, you're going to choose one of these plans because it's just going to make a lot of sense for you. So um, this is great. And uh, Matt, thank you very much for reminding us. Of this. And uh, with that, if uh, you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, questions at the cell phone is our email address. Our phone number, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, is 650 999 0524. And uh, we'll get uh, anything you have to say uh, or any questions that you may have on a future show. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.